Good morning and welcome to the Good News Project. My name is Matt Jackson. This is episode two of the Good News Project. I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate your feedback. And I appreciate your patience as I continue to unroll this new endeavor. Still working on getting a mixer and a microphone and all the important bells and whistles to make me sound less than semi-professional. But I hope you're tuning in for the content. I hope that what I'm doing will be of some value to one or two people out there. And I am certainly enjoying stretching my communication muscles just a little bit. The University of Texas made another football coaching change this past weekend. The 40 Acres wrote a check for over $24 million to tell Tom Herman and his staff to quit their day jobs. It's the latest eye-opening maneuver for an incredibly financially blessed institution, which could certainly be accused of being a penny wise and a pound foolish. I think there's a deeper lesson in this financial transaction that is worthy of our discussion and study. But first, I need to confess some past sins. I think that most people know that know me know that I have not always had the most positive thoughts about the University of Texas. And to be truthful, it has very little to do with the institution or the athletics program and more to do with my experiences interacting with fans and alumni. It was my experience that those with a connection to the University of Texas tended to view themselves through a different lens than the rest of humanity and tended to turn their noses up to or were less welcoming of those from humbler beginnings. I was guilty of taking those prejudices or biases with me back in 2004 when my little brother Chris Obaniah was seeking counsel of where he should attend college and play Division I football. Chris and I are not blood-related, but we might as well be. The Obaniah family and I grew up in the same church, Southminster Presbyterian, and I was Chris and his little brother Moses' youth group leader in both middle school and high school. Chris's dad, Dr. Kalu Obanaya, was in the process of building a hospital in connection with our church in his native Nigerian village, and he asked me to live in his home and watch over his six kids while he was gone. I love these kids with all my heart. At least I think I can still call them kids, even though most are now in their 30s. I've been blessed to officiate one of their weddings, and rumor has it I might get to officiate another one this coming summer. It was incredibly thrilling to watch Chris go through the football recruiting process. He would receive a stack of letters from every university under the sun seemingly every day, and we would talk and talk and talk about all the possibilities with his brothers and sisters. Spring of his junior year, we all went up to Ann Arbor, Michigan to visit Chris's sister Valerie, who was performing in an opera at the University of Michigan. On that trip, we were able to go behind the scenes of the University of Michigan football program watch a spring practice, and tour the facilities. Lloyd Carr, Michigan's head football coach, was one of the most welcoming and engaging head coaches I have ever met. He really took the time to meet all the family members on a day where he clearly had more important business at hand. And it was pretty clear even from this one snapshot visit 
that the University of Michigan would be a great landing spot for any student athlete. When it came time to decide on a school, Chris considered Michigan, Stanford, Notre Dame, and Penn State, among others. But he ultimately decided on the University of Texas. When Chris initially told me that Texas was a school he was interested in, I would immediately change the subject to another school. I knew Chris's good friend and high school teammate Stephen Hogan was headed to Texas to play football. And how could one argue with the facilities and support the University of Texas is able to provide its student-athletes? But I couldn't fathom having to root for Texas. It made my skin crawl. I know I'm a horribly selfish person for that, but forgive me, I was younger and dumber then. Ultimately, I bit my tongue, and I knew that Chris would make a wise decision, and God would guide him where he needed to be. His decision to head to the 40 acres became much more palatable for me because at that time, and after having met with him on the phone and in person, it was clear that Mac Brown was a trustworthy steward of any young man's potential and that he would emulate the kind of character you would want to instill in a family member if you could no longer be around them on a regular basis. Mac Brown treated every coach, player, and staff member as equals in a close-knit, loving family. Mac won at Texas. He won a lot. He won a national title and probably should have or could have won two more. In 2009, in the midst of a 13-1 season, which would culminate in the national championship game appearance, Mac received a raise that bristled the UT Faculty Council. In a column from the Monday, December 14, 2009, Austin American Statesman, the following resolution was printed regarding Mac Brown's salary raise. We appreciate the contributions of the athletic staff and especially the student-athletes to the community of the University of Texas at Austin. However, at a time when students are facing a deteriorating academic environment in the form of declining class offerings and increasing class sizes, and lecturers, teaching assistants, and staff are facing job terminations, we believe a permanent raise of $2 million, a sum greater than the entire career earnings of a typical university employee offered to any member of the university community is unseemly and inappropriate, signed the UT Faculty Council. I wonder what those faculty members think about lighting $24 million on fire to search for what the university had in the first place over a decade earlier. Mac Brown won at Texas. He won a lot. Mac should have or would have been the winningest coach in the history of the University of Texas, and Texas should have continued to have a steady hand and an honest face for a program in a university that has uncovered all sorts of warts and blemishes since Mac's, quote, retirement. Texas chased a man of high character and morality because they were scared of a maroon swag copter infringing on what they felt was their God-given right to win every game in the history of college football and pick and choose its student-athletes. How foolish does that seem in hindsight? In 2021, who would you favor to win a recruiting battle, Mac Brown or Kevin Sumlin? In his letter to the Galatians, Paul says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Mac Brown was clearly doing a great job at the University of Texas. He won games. 
He graduated players, and he was a genuinely good guy who showed a Christ-like concern for all people. Texas likes to say, we don't keep up with the Joneses, we are the Joneses, but their actions say otherwise. Best of luck to Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Everyone deserves a second chance or a chance for redemption. But for me personally, I'm much more invested in the progress and success of Mac Brown at North Carolina. Forget about the football for a second, though, and let's look at this incredible, incredibly valuable teaching moment. What a golden opportunity this is for all of us to take Paul's message to heart and apply it in our own lives. Don't waste your life comparing your successes and failures with those of others. First, you will always find someone you think is doing a better job than you, and that will likely lead you to discouragement. Or maybe you will drown out the opportunity for your own self-improvement because you see people as less effective than you in certain aspects of your life. Quite simply, God wants you to do the best with what you've been given and enjoy the personal satisfaction of doing your job well. My father-in-law told me an interesting little nugget from his work trip to China back in 2006. He said one thing he found interesting was that it seemed like every single person in China had a job. He saw an old man with a straw broom sweep a one-block section of sidewalk for hours at a time. That man took incredible pride in the seemingly menial task and was happy to tell you about it. I promise you this is not a ringing endorsement for communism, but certainly seems to be a great application of one of King Solomon's Proverbs. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Be the best you can be. Be the best father and mother, husband or wife the best teacher or waitress, or lawyer, or homemaker. Be thankful for what God has given you. In the book of Romans, it says, Who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall the one who is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What an awesome opportunity 2021 is for all of us, as it says in Hebrews, to let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. These scriptures and this message that I've tried to convey to you this week is a great lead-in into my something to read this week. Last week I recommended A Purpose Driven Life. This week, I'm going to suggest a quick autobiography titled Playing for More, written by one of my favorite people, Case Keenum, the NCAA's all-time leading passer and currently a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I'll stand for Case Keenum until I'm six feet under. This guy wears his faith on his sleeve. He gives everything he's got for his family, his football team, and his father in heaven. I was fortunate to have Case on my radio show as a weekly guest his senior season when U of H nearly ran the table. And I definitely have followed his career from the Texans to the Rams to the Texans to the Rams to the Vikings to the Broncos and now the Browns. Here's a guy who not only is running his race in a storm of criticism, setbacks, and continual transition, but he also has shared so many similar human experiences that we can all relate to. Case and his wife Kimberly have been very forthcoming with their own struggles with infertility and how it challenged their marriage and faith, but also the assurance that, number one, God has you right where he wants you and has already equipped you with what you need. And number two, it is your job to do as much as you can with the talents God has given you. Prepare as well as you can 
for the challenges ahead, and then you can rest easy at night in the hands of our Father. As for something to watch this week, can I really live with myself if I didn't at least give a prediction on the NFL playoffs? There are six different games going on this coming weekend. The only game that I can say with some certainty that I'm really looking forward to is Baltimore and Tennessee. There's just something about a stud running back that gets my juices flowing. Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, a prime Adrian Peterson, and now the latest greatest of the era, Derrick Henry. Let's admit that many of us did not think Henry could duplicate his numbers from last season, but man, the guy's getting even better. Despite his increase in contract size and the changing defenses designed to stop him, Henry continues to answer the bell and seems to get better as the games go on. I think this Baltimore-Tennessee game is going to be an absolute shootout. I won't begin to predict who might win, but I will definitely be watching it, and that is definitely something that if I were you, I would tune into this coming week. As always, I welcome your feedback via Twitter at MJ4Sports, or I'd appreciate you could email me as well, goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. If there's a topic of any kind that you would like me to cover on the podcast, or you'd like me to pray for you, or you just have some general feedback on the pod, I greatly encourage and appreciate all the feedback. It can't get better without you, and I certainly can't get better without you as well. You can catch this feedback now on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and iHeartMedia, and please share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or any other places that you find people in social media, or certainly by word of mouth, text, or however you communicate with people these days. Thank you so much for your time, and until next week, this is Matt Jackson saying thank you for listening to The Good News Project. Tell me.